Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Innovative Builder Podcast. My name is Max Haben with JNRS Build, and today I had the pleasure of sitting down with a friend of mine, Kevin Callagher. Kevin is a real estate agent here locally in Duluth, Minnesota, and Kevin took some time out to come on the show and talk about the real estate market and talk about how buying a home ties into construction. So we had a great conversation and really want to thank Kevin for coming on the podcast today. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for being here. sense too so they're you know so if you, you query on google like a youtube video it could yeah uh, i'm sure it's, it's all so they could the nice thing is they can tie all that seo together you know so you get it, the whole algorithm is connected it's all integrated yeah. so google can be informing the videos you see based on your searches and so it, that's the i mean that's a great thing about youtube it's just such a beast of a platform and there's so much and it's you know like you know it's just not like it doesn't work like instagram where people are where it's just like kind of the easy to get a lot of followers or a lot of views or whatever or you can kind of promote your post and post well i don't know about that easy to get followers i've been trying to get followers for a year but are you putting any money into your posts or are you doing everything organic um for our clients for listings yeah we'll yeah. boost those out you know 20 to 100 bucks for a week yeah. Like those videos, Gina helped or reintroduced me to these people to get that mm-hmm. uh, cloquet listing, and we did a really awesome video for it. Yeah. Um, like stuff like that will boost, we'll do on YouTube. But I was yeah. showing it to another potential client the other day. I'm like, yeah, so we did this video over YouTube. It's really high quality, high def, and we boosted out over social media. And as I'm showing it to them, we're looking down the corner, it's like 19 views. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, it's disheartening. Yeah, I'm like, you need a couple zeros after that. Yeah, yeah. It's so. it's hard, but it's. I think if you can put the time and the effort into it, it's it's one of those that's like, you know, Instagram is is easier. I think to get engagement, to get views, to get followers. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not easy. It's relatively easier. Right. Comparatively speaking. Right. Because of the way the platform works, but. Um, and we have not gotten our following completely organically. Like we've put money behind posts, and like mm-hmm. if I wouldn't, you know, like we wouldn't have, like we went from a hundred followers to four thousand, five thousand followers now wow. in the last year, which is which I'm really proud of. But we would have never got that without kind of like pumping some money behind some of these posts, and then sure. like there was one post in particular that just kind of went viral. Which was it, the Knife River one? No, it was uh, funny enough. It was just like some random video I posted of. Uh, one of our guys on the roof, like, showing how to do a, um, I don't know if it was a soffit or a, I forgot what it was. Um, but he was just, he was doing like a how-to. Yeah. And I just posted like a, a 60 second clip of that. And, it, you know. It just took off. It just took off. It was like, that video, if I put, if I boost it, it is guaranteed to get us like 500 followers. Wow. Every time I boost it. So, I mean, that's, that. like, without that video, we wouldn't have probably more than 1,500 followers or so. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's crazy, yeah. So you just got, and, but um, but you, with YouTube, like, it's a, it's a longer-term game, and it's, it's a harder work on the front end, but I think the payoff is 
it's like with anything else, you know, it's like mm -hmm. you have to work for it more, but the payoff could be so much, you know, so much greater. Because yeah. there's a potential there. I see these other home builders out there who are who've got hundred thousand subscribers or their videos are hitting, you know, a million views. That's crazy. So but then if you look at their video channel, you have to go back ten years to see their first video. Wow. So they've been posting, they've been doing it for ten years. You know, decades. yeah, five plus years a lot of times, at least. Yeah. To get to that point, so it's just one of those things that you know it's that uh, that whole principle of kind of uh, uh, exponential growth or yeah. compounding compounding interest. Interest, you know, it's, I think it definitely applies with your social media posting and and so yeah. yeah. Before we get going, yeah. I I did have a couple questions for you that were like not related to construction or anything. I'm just Kind of like fun yeah. questions. For me or for, for, for me to ask you? Oh, okay. no, for you. All right. Yeah. Just as kind of like totally an interesting fun. thing, so I'm not throwing you off. Yeah. But uh, like one of them is um, so tell me about a failure that you had earlier in life that later actually um, set you up for success. Mm. Or like, is there a favorite failure that you have? Favorite failure? There's a lot. Um, that's a great question to me and I think I'm a big believer that yeah failure is like it's kind of cliche to say but like failure is a part of growing yeah know, paradoxically and I think uh, a lot of people will say like almost like if you're not failing you're not you're not actually trying you're not learning you're not yeah you're not learning you're not challenging yourself and um, but I think there are <laughs> I don't know not all failures are created equal either like there are definitely failures. Like okay, I could have done without that. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I would say uh, I always felt like college was a complete fail for me, from really? an academic standpoint. Like preparing oh. me for you know for life. Yeah, for for no preparing me for like my career path. Because like, sure. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah, um, and I stumbled out of the gate with just like student loans and not really understanding how all that worked and like you know i i just didn't know what i want to do i had no idea and yeah i couldn't have you know i picked a major but it was just really like i need to pick something and then um i sort of floated around for a few years after college uh yeah but um so that that bothered me for a, a while until i actually started to get some traction with my career i started to appreciate it more because um you know looking back i think a lot of that judgment that I had on myself for not, you know, being successful in college or like getting, you know, putting myself on a, a path to some sort of career, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so grateful because of where I am now. Like I, I had to sort of flounder and figure kind of that try out. some things. Yeah. And like figure it out in my twenties. Like I always feel like, um, you know, that I learned far more after college and after school. In the you know in the decade following that than I did in my you know decade and a half of school yeah um, and so you know I really look at that as like you know that was just the path I had to take to get where I am and I learned from it and you know and there are, and then I can also look back and see okay yeah it wasn't a complete failure either to be in college it wasn't just a complete waste of money like oh, cool. the the relationships yeah like relationships you develop the network you develop. Um, 
it's part of it was part of the journey, you know. Yeah, I'm grateful for it. But. but they didn't tell you how much debt you're going to be when you graduate. <laughs> they didn't tell you you got to like figure that out immediately yeah. after yeah. you get your degree. Yeah, that was the challenging thing. Yeah, I was the exact same boat. Like, I I loved college. I loved the experience it provided. Like just like hanging out in the dorms or living down in Dinky Town. I was down in Minneapolis, yeah. and uh, I mean. U of M campus, 60,000 students going to the football game. I mean, that's an awesome experience. Yeah. It costs a lot of money, though. <laughs> and, like, you're not thinking about that when you're in school, and then you graduate, and you're like, oh, shit, like, I need to produce. Yeah. This yeah. is added up quick. Yeah. What do you think about the future of college? Do you think, like, because I'm starting to have conversations about, should I save money for my kid to go to college? I don't know if I'm going to. Like, I'm going to save money for him, but... Maybe like an entrepreneur fund or something. Or... Yeah, I think it's. I think education in general is really up for grabs right now. Like, you know, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it, but this whole past year with COVID being in place, like I have two step brothers, one's thirteen, one's fifteen, and they haven't been in school since last March. Mm-hmm. So like their way of learning and doing things and like experiencing that way of life is just totally shifted now. Yeah. And so I think that's going to have ripple effects as we go into higher education, too. Yep. Um, yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, I know for us, like, even with the online course content, that, you know, that's out there now, I feel like that's sort of like the wild, wild west. And yeah. um, we're trying to tap into that. Like, I'm a big believer that, you know, if you have a, uh, an expertise or a skill set, that you there's a, there's a great opportunity for you to turn that into an educational online course um yeah there's kind of a market for you that's something that we've been talking a lot about here is you know we have our we're trying to stay local like we don't really have a lot of desire to expand beyond duluth mm-hmm. physically but there's the digital market now mm-hmm. which for a home builder there's a whole market of people out there that want to learn what you're doing so that's a whole another area of like untapped market potential for us to be getting involved in you know, and so how are we going to utilize the in-house 25 years of experience and kind of, you know, craft, craft, you know, the master craftsmen that we have here and these carpenters and, um, you yeah. know. I mean, this has far-reaching, I mean, you can go global with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone with an internet connection can tap into JNRS content online. Right. And, you know, I don't know if someone from Osaka, Japan will hire you out for a new build, but maybe yeah. someone in the Dakotas or yeah. East Coast, you know, you've got a particular style or niche or design that they prefer. Right. That's totally within reach. Yeah. You've been doing some stuff, too, uh, here around Duluth with uh, you and John Shelley hooking up to do some seminars. And Yeah. How have those been going? Those have been going pretty good. Um, I like the digital platform. I think it's one I'll continue to move forward with. Just being that, for that very reason, you can project your knowledge online to whoever is tuning in at that time. Just like if someone posts like on Instagram live videos that are constantly going on, you can just tune in and listen. Um, You know, it's more of a catered event that we have where people come, you get a free cider. We'd, we'd like to partner, we've got a good buddy down at the loose cider who's a sales manager. Mm-hmm. You know, come, have it be a casual experience, learn a few things, and uh, you know, hopefully you find some value out of it. Yeah, but building community, building 
Collaborating. Yeah. yeah. That's so important. Um, yeah, man. We'll take a step back. You tell me, I know a little bit about your story, but maybe for those listening, um, you just kind of tell a little bit of your background and yeah. how you got into real estate mm-hmm. as a profession. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, first of all, I've always known real estate growing up with it being in my family. So my parents started their own brokerage in, I think, 1996 called Calgary Realty, ironically. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been doing it now for around 30 years, my, my father and my stepmother. So I always grew up in it, flipping houses with my dad and just, you know, going through rental properties and seeing it as a kid. And it's always something I knew I was going to do, but I didn't think at the time I wanted to do that. So my, my actually, my path, or at least I thought my path was going to be a, a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And so that goes back to what we touched on a little bit is going to college, not knowing what you want to do, stumbling through some things, figuring it out. And um, it took a, a trip to Korea to figure out like, okay, yeah, this, this is probably my calling. I got to come back and do it. And so, um, yeah, started doing it four years ago on the sales side of things and uh, with a team, the Zena City team with Brock Hansmeyer. Mm-hmm. And... Had some great mentorship there. Started out like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, didn't know anything like how to write a contract or mm-hmm. how to negotiate. And so that was like pivotal and just being with an experienced agent, getting like absorbing all of that knowledge, absorbing all the knowledge of the other agents that were in the office at the time. And um, that kind of catapulted me into you know, learning a lot quicker than mm-hmm. if I had gone and done it on my own. Right. So, yeah, just been doing it ever since, yep. helping people buy and sell. It's great. Yep. Love it. And uh, how many years then have you total been selling houses? Just over four years now. March, four years. March 8th, 2017. Okay. That was the day. Yeah. What's, uh, I guess I'll turn the background on you because I thought it was a great question about a failure. Maybe what's, oh, gosh. what's is there anything for you <laughs> that sticks out in those those four years that, you know, maybe taught a good lesson or was just really like a really pivotal sort of um, failure that turned into some sort of blessing? Yeah. Um, there are so many failures, man. Um, I think one that probably changed my trajectory or like path was after college, I was playing music in a band and the goal was to like make it big, get a record oh, yeah. deal. Didn't we all? <laughs> no, totally. Great. That was the goal. And uh, it just it wasn't working out. And so yeah. uh, it was kind of like a big breakup. And it's kind of like breaking up with a significant other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that, that really changed the way I thought about how I was going to approach life and what I was going to do next. And it took that moment to, to shift gears, travel to another whole other country. Yeah. Just went 180 on it, and then from that learned a ton of amazing things about, you know, Korean culture, mm-hmm. and through that found out like, okay, this is, this is what I need to do. Hmm. So the Korea had a big impact on you. It did. It was it was very. It changed my perspective, and it was very reflective at the mm-hmm. same time. My brother's yeah. over there right now. Is he? Yeah, teaching. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, but uh, what city is he in? Seoul. So okay, yeah. yeah so he's. Been, I think that's where he is. Very cool. I could be wrong with that. Does he like it? Yeah, I mean, he's lo- he loves traveling. He was in Spain last year. And yeah, like I think he wants to be overseas. So 
Yeah, I think he's he's liking it. That's um, cool. Yeah, we'll have to connect about that. I yeah, he's got some. Yeah, I'll figure out if there's if he's in the same. Where were you in? Soul? I was in like a yeah Seoul kind of the summer of Seoul. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to ask him to see if there's any connection. Twenty-six million people. Yeah, just <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. Just a, not a whole lot. But, yeah. You know, enough to get lost for a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> um. What's uh? Let's talk about um, sort of your endeavors with investing too, because you you do a little, you've done a little bit of flipping, and you're you've got a, a you're kind of in a owner occupied rental right now, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's that? Where where'd that interest come from? Is that just kind of like a, a smart financial decision, or is there kind of more more to that? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I think it's, it comes from like living sustainably, living within my means. Um, I listened to a lot of Bigger Pockets podcasts starting in 2015, where it's just like everyone's got these great ideas on how you can leverage um, the bank's money to create real estate opportunities or buy a house with no none of your own money. And yeah. so, what I'm doing right now is is called house hacking, where I owner occupy one of the units in a triplex, and then I rent out two of the other units. And as a result, I end up making you know a couple hundred bucks a month yeah. and live for free. And I pick the worst unit, and <laughs> and as a result, I've been fixing it up, improving that value over time. So when I move out, I can hopefully charge a little higher rent yeah. for that. So yeah, so you get your hands dirty a little bit. And- Fix oh, some of that up. And I paint. I paint. Yeah, that's about the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. that's me too. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what uh, you were telling me earlier the some interesting stats on the new new builds. Is, yeah. Were you surprised by that number? Like as far as like because um, it is it is interesting. Uh, I guess being in the Duluth market and. You hear all the time, I guess you hear about every market having a shortage on inventory, right? right? That's something I I guess I hear. Mm-hmm. And so I guess you would assume maybe that coupled with low interest rates and, mm-hmm. you know, how... The cost of materials for buildings. Yeah, but then, yeah, you kind of throw in that wrench of, like, cost of materials going up with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, Supply chains. But I've heard different things. Like, I've heard, like, I mean, obviously we've been busy. Um, right. Despite COVID. Yeah. Um, but we are then seeing, so we're seeing people like interested in building, but we're also seeing people get a little sticker shock from, mm-hmm. you know, once the final coming in thinking they're going to build for 500,000 and it comes to 1.2 million, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's a big shock. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, part of that's just like a lack of education, but part of it, I think too, sure. is just like the nature of what it costs to build a new home right now, you know? Right. Sorry. You said you, you mentioned, um, something like what, 26 New builds just in the last two years, or yeah. So I've just pulled up some numbers this morning, and yeah. for our area, so this is Duluth, Hermantown, Superior, Esco, Cloquet, Proctor, like that general area. We had thirty-six new construction homes that are either sold, pending, or active that were built uh, prior to January of twenty twenty. Yeah. So thirty-six homes. That's been, what, 14, 14, 15, 16 months? Yeah. That is not a lot of homes coming on the market for new builds. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it, there's a, there's a supply, a lack of supply there. Yeah. So, and I mean, there's a lack of homes everywhere. I mean, nationally, we're down forty percent um, from where we were. I think it was like a year, two months ago. Um, it's like average price per square foot on a new build. I think is around two twelve. Mm-hmm. And you can really hone in on different areas too. Like if you, you niche down in Hermantown, that's going to have a different price per square foot than say Cloquet. Mm-hmm. Duluth has the highest price per square foot. Um, I think there's some other reasons that go into it. But the other thing you got to take into account is that's just the cost of the house. If you're thinking to build, I mean, you've got land costs, right. land acquisition, utility costs, like how much is a septic, how much is a well, how much is it going to cost to to run electric there? Mm-hmm. Um, can you connect city water or sewer there? Yeah. Is there internet? You know, there's a lot of these other utilities that come into play with with building that I think a lot of people, like mm-hmm. you said, they don't consider. They get that sticker shock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the alternative is buy a pre pre existing home. Mm-hmm. And with what we're seeing right now, if it's priced right in good condition and a good location, you're gonna be competing with, yeah, you know, five to fifteen other offers. Yeah, yeah, it's super competitive. I mean, it's always competitive in Duluth, right? Like, it seems like it's just kind it has of since I've been in real estate. Yeah, but now it's 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 more. It's like, I mean, I'm just hearing I'm hearing stories, yeah, like left and right about just kind of crazy bidding scenarios and price. You know, homes going for. What thirty thousand over asking price? Like nothing. I wrote an offer with some clients on Saturday on a house in the Comden neighborhood, four hundred thousand dollar range. We wrote ours. We had a five day inspection time frame, so super short time frame to inspect. Mm-hmm. Pay our buyer's closing costs and went fifty thousand dollars above asking price. Yep. We did not get that house. <laughs> That's crazy. So. You know, I don't know what the other offer was. Maybe it was cash. Maybe they waived their inspection. Maybe yeah. they went higher. Yeah. Um, we thought it was competitive, but yeah. you never know. Someone yeah. else might come in a little higher right now. So I guess as a custom home builder, a JNRS, we should think about building some new homes. Oh, right? yeah. Because like I, I mentioned to you, we do a model home usually once a year. Mm-hmm. And we have a little, you know, we... we um, it's a uh, we've had success with it with the one the Knife River home we built a couple of years ago. We we rent out on VRBO now, which has been great for for us. It's usually booked out a few months in advance, and it's That's kind of been a hit. Property. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hit, and um, and then and then last year the Martin Road home we built, and like I mentioned, it, it took it took a little bit longer I think maybe than we expected for it to sell, and and so going into this year's model home, we decided to switch it up, and we're gonna. We've designed the whole home, and now we're going to try to sell it before we build it. Yeah. Which I think could make some sense given, you know, given the market and, mm-hmm. you know. And you may get a buyer, and now since it hasn't been built, they can customize it to how they want it too. Yeah. So. Well, I think they said we're. Flexibility. I think it's kind of like you get, there are some parts of it that are customizable. Okay, sure. But um, I think for some people too, though, that, that might be. A little bit of a, um, a an incentive because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of decisions to make when you're building a home. I think there's probably people out there just kind of like yeah, like um, I like that design. Let's do it. Yeah, it's a little less of a hassle with you know all the um, 
decisions that need to be made is a less uh, quicker turnaround mm -hmm. because you don't have that you know process as many selections to make. Yeah. Um, and so we could. I don't know. I've seen I've seen home builders and sort of design companies too, where they're like they've got like pre-made designs basically where you can mm -hmm. pick your pick your type home and. I think something like that could be interesting to explore for a home builder too. Just like, I don't know. It's it, you know we call it the innovative builder podcast, and I think that'd be it's, cool. It's like that kind of thought process. Like how we're always kind of thinking about how we do things differently. You know. Yeah. In in, in the construction industry, I think there's a lot of like it's always been done this way. So mm -hmm. That's how you should do it. But man, like technology is changing. You know, the the millennials are coming up. They're Different breed. They're looking know. at stuff online, especially after right. this past year. If you can have a product on your website and have someone be able to like pick and choose what finishings, uh, what bedroom style, what the cabinets are like, what the closets are like, and yeah. pick like a la carte. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'd pay for that. Yeah, I mean, I saw. I think it was Mark <laughs> Sheridan. He wrote a book called "They Ask, You Answer," and he wrote. I saw him post on LinkedIn. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got that book reference. Yeah, yeah, I gave you the book. Yeah, he said something. I think he was referring to B2B, to B2, but he was talking about how even B2B businesses, they need... Mm -hmm. um, how can I more quickly, more directly get to the purchasing point? And yeah. um, I, I would think that applies in, in any realm. Any, any industry. industry. Especially for millennials. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, that's the way that we... We operate, you know, and um, well, it's and like so. uh, you listen to, like Gary Vee podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah, love Gary Vee. He's great. Yeah. He's great. Looney Looney Tune, but he's great. Yeah. And uh, his whole thing is is friction. Mm. Create the least amount of friction possible to get content to provide access to consumers, yep. and that's the way to go. And you know, one small example of that is um, having things like the Amazon Alexa. Just being able to talk out what you want instead of like type it on a computer or whatever, um, or read it in a book. Yep. And I mean that's I mean kind of off tangent, right? Of course, but. Right. Yeah. No, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a business these days. And um, what uh, you know, it's funny. It, that reminds me of um, conversation I've had with uh, my mother-in-law because she was telling us about her. When they bought their house, I think they looked at like 50 houses. They're like, she's like, you know, we looked at 50 houses before we found the one we wanted. And I was thinking about that, like, oh, should we look at 50 houses before we buy our home? You know, like, is that the right? But then you realize they didn't have Zillow. They didn't have Realtor.com. They didn't have online rental, you know, like rental sites. So yeah, you can look, I've probably looked at 500 houses you know, in reality. <laughs> it's addicting, isn't right? it? Right? You know, like, so there's just these, you know, is there any other ways you're, you're seeing technology change? Yeah, obviously, that's probably an obvious example is um, just the online and the digital world. But any other ways you're seeing innovation happen within real estate or that you'd like to see happen more? Uh, you have two very good questions that I'm going to go off on tangent about. Mm -hmm. But I think... The, uh, the technology that's happening now quicker than ever is the consumer's access to content. Yeah. Uh, there was a big, big thing that happened in the real estate world back in January where Zillow bought this app called Showing Time, which is a big database that realtors use to schedule showings. Yeah. So with that acquisition, a lot of things happened, but 
basically what I've noticed is that as soon as the house hits the market, gets updated in the showing time, Zillow gets instant feed on it. Hmm. So you're going to get really quick access. And most of the times now, buyers I'm working with can find homes just as quickly as I can, if not faster. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I'll be honest, I get busy. I'll miss when alerts come yeah. on and yeah. they'll text me and we'll take a look that night. Um, yeah. So that is, that's a big thing. The Matterport 3D tours where you can go in and do a 3D visual surround of each room and get like a eye guide tour through the property. That's a new innovative way. And that's actually been around for quite a few years, but um, we've been seeing more and more of it now. And I think for out of town buyers, especially that's, that's helpful just to get, get a lay of the land with, uh, with that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also think that individually with agents, their branding and being able to market their homes on sites like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even um, that's really going to be pivotal. Pivotal in the coming years, if you can establish a huge following, like sometimes I'm cruising through Instagram and I'll see agents post a house as a coming soon, and that hasn't even like hit the MLS yet. And I'm like calling, I'm like, what did you, what did you do with this house? How did this get here? Yeah. So I think establishing those followings and like creating your brand is going to be yeah. really, really big. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of like an area you'd like to see realtors embrace more is like being yeah, creative, make, building their brand, mm -hmm. thinking outside the box a little bit. They have to. Yeah. They have to. If, you, if you're going to get noticed, like you got to get listings, you got you to provide value, content, you know, be the knowledge broker in your area yeah. for what's happening. Yeah. It is interesting because we mentioned Chris Lindell earlier, and uh, <laughs> yeah. as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, you know, it's so it is. It's absolutely true. But then you got this guy buying up every billboard in town, like an old kind of an old media, like a, you know, like a traditional media advertising platform, mm -hmm. and sort of, uh, and he's online too, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but just kind of like get getting creative, think you know, innovating. But, um, but guess what? That dude has niched down, yeah. and we're sitting in a room talking about him right now. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, kudos to him for being able to do that. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know how much revenue right. it generates. Yeah. But uh, Well, it's like it's not everybody money. has to be like an influencer or like, mm -hmm. you know, all of, like, I think even so, some of the stuff I see you doing, I mean, you were the first realtor account in Duluth that I came across where I saw like walkthroughs. And oh. kind of the you know, um, the the well produced video, you know, where you're kind of narrating and um, and you know, it's I think even just the little things like that that you're doing and like yeah. starting to take steps and developing, you know, doing your own branding, you know, um, Kim Gallagher branding, you know, like I feel like that's you're already sort of a a mile ahead probably of where most <laughs> you know most realtors are at, you know, not to it's just, it's, I think it's probably a little bit like us in the construction industry is it's not an area that's been forced to really innovate much. Mm -hmm. But right. now, I mean, especially with COVID, like a lot of people are being forced to, to innovate. I'm sure that was a step up, a step ahead for you having that kind of groundwork already done online and, you know, digitally. It definitely helps. When things turn completely digital, you know, completely right. remote. 
So yeah, it's only gonna grow from here, man. Right. It's only gonna grow. Like, just people's ability to find you, access your information, it's gonna be online. And so, um, I don't know what that looks like for for other realtors' business with the brand I'm in. I'm really happy with Remax. I think um, we're the large the company I work with. We are the largest Remax franchise in the world. Wow. Which is like. So crazy, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Um, and so, you know, we got a lot of tool access to tools there yeah. and online yep. resources, but yep. um, yeah, establishing presence online is going to be big. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. big. What, um, let's talk about um, sort of the intersection of construction and real estate. Um, yeah. Have you done a lot of, like, in the new build world or remodel? Is there any, um, I guess, insight? you have for that as far as uh, just your experience with whether that's for a home buyer or you know even for a construction company like us any kind of you know insight or advice yeah so I think that I guess when you're talking real estate agents and home builders together like how can they be mutually beneficial to one another and the end goal is both people are trying to attract buyers mm -hmm. right um, and as a home builder, you have this intricate knowledge of this building and this structure that just is unmatched. It's unparalleled. Like you, you know the inner workings of the plumbing, the electrical, the everything about the house. Agents have their niche is their network, their people, their marketing, their advertising, their connections to the community. And so, you know, I think the that shared interest in in working together. Is, is really beneficial to one another. And, and I get it, we're in a seller's market right now. If you're a builder, I, I would totally try it on my own too and, and uh, see what the market does. But um, I was talking about this with another agent the other day and I thought, well, you know, even if a builder lists their house with an agent, like you may not make as much money as you would like, but that could give you leverage to go off and focus on other projects to where you would create more income in mm -hmm. turn. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how many builds you guys do per year or mm -hmm. what the average builder does per year, but yeah. um, you know, it's it's outsourcing the work and having that shared interest in selling a house. Right. So right. Uh, yeah. I think there's a, a good uh, fusion or, or uh, whatever you want to call it there for those two, two uh, organizations to align. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think there's definitely overlap. And I would say that even when we kind of go back to this idea of innovation and just the way things are changing, like we have no idea, you know, what, um, how drastic the innovation of each of our industries could be and how they could come together even more. You know, um, I just yeah. saw, I think I saw somebody on LinkedIn post a, uh, I think it was a home builder posted something about hiring a real estate agent or they were, I don't know if they're hiring a real estate agent or someone with real estate experience. And um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how just, you know, as the, we're both in the home industry, right? Like we're, we're dealing with homeowners and. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting too. Like you take Remax results, for example, we've combined brokerage, title company and mortgage company. Mm -hmm. more or less become the one-stop shop if you're shopping for a home in this market 
we have everything. Right. And I thought, well, hmm, wouldn't that be interesting if you added interior design or construction into that, mm -hmm. where you literally have every facet of the home building, yeah. the home purchase process into one organization. Right. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's probably happening somewhere right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, me, and if it isn't, it, it probably will, just yeah. with how things are going. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> going back to that whole concept of less friction as possible, I think that's kind of the next phase of things. Yeah. Are there any misconceptions people have about, as far as, I guess, from the homeowner's perspective now, I'm kind of curious too myself, being, you know, uh, potentially in the market sometime in the next 10 years, hopefully sooner than that. <laughs> we'll, say, we'll say optimistically in the next couple of years, but... Are you talking about a, like a market correction here, Max? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't either. I don't think anyone does. I, I, yeah, I, every time I sort of feel like I am like, oh yeah, you know, I get this idea of what I should do because the market's just too competitive now or, you know, the interest rates, I just kind of like throw it out the window and I'm just like, you know what, when it's time, it'll be time because, yeah, you know, like you've told me, like, um, you just don't know, like you can't assume anything, right? Like you just, you're kind of like, oh, well, the interest rates are low now. They're going to be higher next year. Well, Maybe, right. maybe not. Right. And the it's super competitive right now, so wait a year, it'll be less competitive next year. Well, maybe not. You know, like maybe Man. not. I've had people I've been talking with for four years, every year, I'll, yeah. I'll give them a follow-up call. Hey, you know, how's it going? Um, you thinking about making a move this year? Yeah. No, it's, it's too much of a seller's market. I'm going to wait for the market to crash. Yeah. Call back next year. No, I'm going to wait for the market to crash. Well, guess what? Right. It's been four years, man. Like. Nothing's happened. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it could. Yeah. Historically speaking, like we're definitely overdue for one. But what if this goes on for five years yeah. and now houses that are two hundred fifty thousand are four hundred thousand five right. years from now? Right. I don't know. Yep. Um, I think you just keep it simple. Live within your means. Go with your gut. And um, you know what I always say to people is like, okay, well, what are you paying for your rent right now this month? Mm. Okay. So you say you're paying twelve hundred bucks a month for rent. Here's a two hundred thousand dollar house. Your principal, interest, tax, insurance are going to be a thousand bucks a month, and your utility costs are going to be three hundred, three hundred fifty, whatever it is. So yeah. maybe you pay a hundred dollars more, but guess what? Now you're building income, you're building equity, you're setting money aside. It's like a little piggy bank every month, yeah. and you get to have pets. You can make whatever alterations to the house that you want. Right. It's your house. Right. And so I think a lot of it is just, you know, knowing what your budget is and and uh, trusting your gut and you'll know when the right time is. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, it'll be interesting. And we've, uh, I don't know, we've kind of got this idea as we're trying to tap into the millenn the millennial market. Yeah. The, whatever, the younger people who are finally being able to maybe start about, start thinking about owning a home or building a home or whatever that might be um for whatever, whatever reason our generation's taken a little longer to get there yeah you know i don't think always to our own fault i think there's been reasons for that you know oh man yeah in we, the world and in the market um, yeah. but we're you know as that happens we're trying to identify what what it is that these this generation wants and one of the things i speculate is that people will be more satisfied than the previous generation with a smaller home and more be. interested in 
like efficiency and um, maybe less less concerned with like the big sort of mansion or the big mm-hmm. sort of gaudy house and um, yeah. kind of a movement towards simpler living, like maybe higher higher quality, higher higher quality material, uh, more efficient homes, mm-hmm. um, energy efficient and green. Um, yeah. Do you agree? Would you agree with that? Are you seeing some of that at all, or hard to tell? Oh, I definitely get like inquiries about it every year. And personally, like I think I've come a little biased. Like I would love to have a house like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, that's part of it's just my lifestyle. You know, I, I'm a pretty. I, I don't need much yeah. um, on my own, but I also think to a larger degree, uh, yeah, people don't need the grandiose spaces. Yeah. I mean. Uh, if it's just you know you yourself a significant other and maybe one or one or two kids, how much space do you do you want? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think there will be a few factors with that and just cost of building that type of product, and then how can you scale it? And then once you create that, you, there's going to be a market for it. People right. people will come. It's just how do you sustainably scale it? Yeah. Especially in an area like Duluth, where you you have limited good land um, at affordable prices to, to be able to do that project. Yeah, um, I think that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel? Uh, how are you feeling about coming out of the pandemic right now with uh, with the state of things? And I know you know like there's you know we talk about it's competitive and um, you know there's uncertainty. But how do you feel? Are you optimistic about? Where things are at um, coming out of the pandemic, looking into twenty twenty two, and yeah. just in, as a real as an agent, and you know for your, your customers and, mm-hmm. and uh, buyers, how, are you feeling better than maybe a year ago? Or um, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I'm feeling super optimistic right now. Um, I know there's different perspectives all across the board. I you know I I get the doom and gloom. We're gonna crash. We're gonna crash. We're gonna crash. I've been hearing it. Maybe we will. I don't know. All I know is that houses are coming to the market and buyers are gobbling them up faster than they can stay with them for. So it is more challenging for buyers. Like I feel for the buyers right now because it's tough. I mean, people might miss out on four, five, six homes before getting that house. Right. Um, that part is a little bit more, we got to take that in stride, manage expectations off the get-go. Hey, we're coming into a fierce market right now. Most properties are selling 10% above asking price. Buyers are paying closing costs with shorter inspection time frames, sometimes waiving them. I don't think you should, but yeah. some, sure some people do. Yeah. Um, but I, I see nothing right now that is going to stop what's happening. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk to, uh, talk to our foreman, talk to our bosses. And start building some houses. Yeah, get get like a whole ten subsets of crews yeah. out there. Start yep. start building, man. Yeah, we need it. No, yeah, we're we, we're growing a lot. We're hiring um, laborers. It seems like all the time. Obviously, there's the whole you know there's shortage of everything, right? Work, you know, employment shortage. There's house shortage. There's, yeah, so I'm know. curious, what's that like on like the home building side? Are you like are you experiencing a lot of 
building material shortages? How, um, did you stock up earlier this year to account for that? Like how? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have as much insight into that area. Probably our guys like Nate Hilson and project managers have a better idea. Yeah, I I know that the obviously materials are up. Lumber is crazy. Yeah. Um, and but all materials are up across the board. Uh, mm -hmm. Lead times are getting longer, mm -hmm. as far as I know. Um, and but you know the the weather's getting nicer, and that always mm -hmm. usually evens the playing field. It seems like in the in Duluth and in you know, nor northern Minnesota, um, winter's always slow. Yeah, things are hesitant, but. Uh, you know, as the weather warms up, people start to loosen up, and um, yeah. hopefully, with COVID kind of starting to hopefully go back to normal, um, people will be, you know, going back to normal as well with, uh, with everything else. So, yeah, we're optimistic, and the sh the showroom opening up, um, yeah, we're super pumped about that, and. Uh, you know, can't wait to get. It's kind of like that. What you mentioned with the start to finish, I think, is a completely the same mindset. Is we're trying to bring that whole process from beginning to end to make it more efficient, make it you know from a cost perspective, but also just from a process perspective mm -hmm. for everybody involved. Um, you know, I think you know materials. It's like it's kind of like with the home thing. It's like you know. It is what it is right now, and we don't know what it's going to be tomorrow. You know, we can mm -hmm. assume, we can speculate, it's going to go down. But we know that by bringing everything, making everything as efficient as possible, yeah, and making the experience as um, as stress-free as possible as it can be with these kind of projects, uh, we know that's going to be the biggest benefit for anybody. You know, um, for sure. It's uh, you know, I think if you come in and you, you know, obviously you want to pay attention to those things, but like if you if you're overanalyzing that. I think, and you're you're trying to guess, and you're trying to, you know, you're really getting too stuck in the weeds on, you know, uh, whatever that might be. I think that's gonna make it more challenging in the long run. So it's kind of like you said. I think it's the same thing. It's just like when you're ready, and when it's time, just move forward with confidence. You know, it's the way to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well. I could keep going with questions. You got another you know? question? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm all the questions. I mean, you did a great job. I appreciate you. Oh, sure. But yeah, if you got any questions, shoot. I like answering questions too sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm curious, like, because I'll see this in real estate too, but like, what are what are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession um, or areas of expertise? Hmm. That's a good question. Louis could probably answer that better than I could. <laughs> Some bad recommendations. So in in, yeah. in, in regards to um, like uh, people coming in to build their home, like what they've heard. Yeah. Or, or, or just think, like what I mean, I think like I mentioned earlier, one of the big things, and you know, I'm still learning so much because you know I've only been here a year and a half and I didn't have experience in the home building industry. But I think that um, one of the areas I see where there's most often a disconnect is like the expectation of price. Mm -hmm. If you're building, and this is for new home builds, we do remodels too, and that's a different story, but yeah, people just don't, I think they underestimate what the cost is. Like it just costs a lot of money to build new homes, to remodel your home, like it's expensive. Yeah. Um, and not in a bad way, you know, it's not like, uh, it's, it's, it's worth it, you know, it's like it's a worthy investment, um, but when you want the job done right, like it's you know 
it's like anything else in life you you get what you pay for and, yeah you know like they like don't skim out on certain costs don't or yeah it's, it's just not worth it like at the end of the day i think um you know we it, there's an expectation that you know at the, at, i understand we understand people want to save money and we're we understand that there's budget limitations for people yeah. but um i think at the same time like especially when you're talking about your home like there's like real consequences financially by cutting corners in some ways you know that's gonna end up costing you longer in the, in the long run you know there's so many stories i've seen in the last year of situations where we've had to come in mm-hmm. after a situation's gone bad or a contractor's left somebody hanging yeah or you know this just didn't get done right um and uh you know it's like unfortunately it would have been the best situation if they could have done it right the first time you know and it may it may have cost more right yeah. front, you know but um so i think that's that's an area that like i think it's just it's it's it makes sense it makes sense that that's you know for people coming in like they don't know you know we don't i i don't know what it costs like you know these things are you know a little bit of a mystery to me but like um i think it's it's a, it's an area that it's really all about trust you know it's just like trusting like we're here to like, we're here to help you do this well like it's right. not about like the cost is the cost it's like, not about yeah I mean, yeah whatever it's, right and it, it's it's unfortunate that like people have a bad taste in their mouth sometimes with you know contractors in general or just getting ripped off and like that's something we're trying to change. You know, it's, we're trying to educate folks and we're trying to change that stereotype. You know, we want to be a part of doing that. And I think there are other, I think there's a lot of other people in the industry who are also about that. And it's great to see. Totally. Yeah. Don't switch to electric baseboard heat to save money. Stay with a heating gas boiler system or whatever. (laughs) You will pay more up front, but it will save you tons. Yeah. But there's so many cool, yeah, and there's so many cool, like, innovations, though, too, with um, just some of the materials, you know, uh, some of these modern materials, that it's really cool, it's exciting to see, Um, just things that make it more efficient, Uh, like the energy efficiency is a big one. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to, I'm excited to learn personally more about energy efficiency, and especially kind of going into the next generation of how we can build homes that are better for our environment, and... Mm-hmm. And also, um, maybe by putting the investment up front, save. I mean, there's just so much money you spend on the house mm-hmm. over that 30 to 40 to 50 year period that you own it, you know, mm-hmm. um, that people don't often think about. And, right. Um, so, yeah, that'll, I think that's, what, that's where some of the education comes in with its content, too. I think we're trying to kind of be on the cutting edge with before people walk in the door, educating them as much as possible. Yep, creating content that does that. It's going to help both of us in the long term. For sure. Yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of the Innovative Builder Podcast. Much thanks to Kevin Callagher for joining us on the show. We can't wait to have him back on again in the near future. And for those of you listening, if you'd like to find out more about our company, you can visit jrsduluth.com. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.